millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, it only seems fitting in this roller coaster season mm-hmm. that the lowest point of the season was met by maybe the highest point. The Maple Leafs won the rematch with the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight 4 nothing. It was probably their best, most impressive Biggest win of the entire year. Doesn't it feel so good to just be doing this podcast without like any toxicity behind you or anything like that? We were real close to a rebrand. Yeah. Live, laugh, lose. Live, cry, lose. Yeah. Well, the alliteration is key. Oh, true. Live, laugh, lose. Yeah. That's a shout out to Ailish Forfar, (laughs) who, uh, you know, recommended that. This was, who, who is this hockey team that we just watched? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I don't know. That's a good question. It's, Maybe we're, gonna, we're probably going to spend the next 45 plus minutes figuring that hours? out. Three yeah. hours? Yeah. This wasn't the same hockey team that we've done podcasts for the last maybe week and a half or so. Like, it's even longer than that. This was from the moment the puck dropped. This was a different team. Like they came out. You could tell there. There are a lot of narratives before this game. Obviously, when we get into that, news media was at practice or morning. It's, skate. it's my favorite. We will go over that. Oh in a yeah, second, I know you. You love when the news media shows up. Uh, and it's it was crazy. And they came out and they decided the Leafs decided to shut everybody up, including us. It was a bit of a build. I don't think the first period was amazing, uh, but I think the biggest hurdle was that late penalty that they killed off in the first mm-hmm. period. Took five saves from Freddie Anderson. I guess there was some de- debate on how many saves, but he made some critical stops uh, late in that period. And once they survived that, uh, it seemed as though they sort of were able to exhale and they were able to take over the game. I will say that Austin Matthews, I think he sort of set the tone to a certain extent. I thought his just effort 
he didn't have the puck all night, but he was working to better his position, especially in that first period on those first few shifts. I think, uh, I mean, it always like, you got to look at your top guys to sort of set an example. He did that. Jake Muzzin did that tonight. Freddie Anderson did that tonight. So I think it was, uh, it was, it was not like, you know, right off the bat, they just took over and dominated. Uh, but it's, it's like they reached, you know, they found their confidence in that game quickly and then they just took over once they did recapture that confidence. Jake Muzzin, man. That's that's how you do it. That's how you lead. He he came out, and he was probably the most, at least blunt in his criticism after last game. I mean, he was just, look, the effort's not there. He was very much like people need to buy in or kind of, he didn't say or get out, but you could kind of tell. He's like, we, we're at the point where people need to either buy into this thing or, like, leave. And he came out there, and from, I get, like, I, I know that they didn't, the first period was a little wishy-washy, but him specifically, he was just moving the puck with with pace. He was, he looked so poised. You know, this is a guy who's been banged up all year, and he didn't look like a, he had a scratch on him, and ended up with a three point night. But even the points were, you know, they, they were they were ancillary from the fact that he was just arguably the best, if not not arguably on the black, on the back end, but maybe just the Leafs' best player tonight. That is a guy. That's that's a leader. That's a guy you extend. There's a reason why the Leafs are going to give that guy, you know, four years because he called he again he called the team out. And he was the guy to get them on the board first and kept that pace and kind of set the set the tone on in the area where the Leafs needed the most help. Uh, he was I was so impressed with this game tonight. Very thoughtful. I mean, we don't hear from him that often, but when we do, it seems like it's the right time. It's mm -hmm. almost like he puts his hands up and says, you know what, I'm going to be talking to the media tonight because uh, he just tells it like it is. And that's exactly how it needed to be, how it needed to be told by this team. I mean, with, like obviously other guys have spoken um, and I don't think they're necessarily equipped to really drive home the message that they're trying to drive home. Some of them, I'm, I'm not going to call out names because it's no, not call not, them out. Not really. A it's not a criticism that's no, really necessary. But this is a guy that's been around um, and can and knows how to handle these situations. Knows how to handle the media. Knows how to fire his team up. But you know who else fired the team up today? I think who? The local news media. Okay, yeah, so what happens? Let's do this. What it's nor it's the same crew at at the rank every day, mm -hmm. um, but when there's like a big announcement or, uh, you know, the playoffs, the local, you know, the news outlets come and they sort of add to things and they're very aggressive. Yes. So they're really in there, and they also come when things are going poorly. That they don't go when things mainly. are going really well. So when things are going bad, uh, they come and they stir the pot a little bit. And pretty much everyone that talked to the media this morning was sort of graded by the line of questioning and i can't imagine that they, that wasn't part of them wanting to just shut everybody up yeah because they'd heard all like you hear what's going on on the outside but you're sort of insulated from it a little bit you're not like tuning in to talk radio if you're a member of the toronto maple leafs i don't think at least they shouldn't uh but it, it sort of brought into the dressing room in those moments and uh i just think that's i mean there's so much so many reasons to be motivated but being like you're having your like character questioned a little bit like in front of everyone uh it's just it's more grounds just to come out with the effort that they did and and i think they uh it, they did exactly what they needed to do which was put up their best performance and in the process they sort of told everyone to just chill look i've recently been a kid before you know i've i this is a <laughs> more recent than me <laughs> this is a young team and and i've recently been you know i i'm around i'm william melander's draft year so i'm around that and i can tell you as as you know an early 20s person the most effective way to get me to correct something or get me to do something is to annoy me into doing it that is what young people do like they will you, you got to do this 
the first time i don't know the second time i don't know but as but if people are getting at you and prodding at you and eventually it reaches a boiling point that's how you get to do it and i think honestly like maybe the news the news media just like annoyed them into being like all right fine like, i will i will clean up my room jeez there you go but it's also like there's always been there's that infamous i think it was in 2010 no it was like 2013 or 2012 or something it was the 18 wheeler season okay and i remember it was locker clean out day and the news media was there and luke shen was was getting interviewed and i have never heard i've never seen anyone be that sort of savage in a in a scrum before because i think it was global news they're just like so why did you guys like completely fail this year yeah, it's very blunt. It, so, like, it's yeah. a blunt question, and then it's always a blunt... I mean, it's naturally would be a blunt response, right? It was like, you guys... He, he ended up being like, you guys had so much hope this year, and you blew it. Why? Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the look on Luke Chen's face, being like, uh, I don't know. And I, that that is the news media level, and this is mid-season. Uh, I, I can see why they were just like, all right, we never want to go through that gauntlet again. Being pissed off is something that should help this team. That's and, what Frederick was talking and about. And it's something that Frederick Anderson brought up at the end of the game. I mean, everybody was asked, like, how do you bottle this performance? How do you do it again? And he just simply stated, you got to come to the rink pissed off. And that was the best answer uh, that was provided in the post game because it's, A, so true, and, and B, just, again, we talked about what needed to be said. I think that needed to be said, too, because uh, it's sort of – I mean, they, they sort of – flipped a different switch tonight in terms of like okay now this is personal and we're just going to go after it and this i think the biggest problem with this team was this sort of sense of apathy like they were they were getting their you know their asses handed them every night and it just didn't seem like they cared and so to see to see that emotion from freddie and freddie's a pretty you know he's got steady freddie for a reason as a nickname because he's a pretty even keel guy you don't see him react one way or another but for him to be like you got to come to the rink and you got to be pissed off i love that that's exactly what the leafs needed to that's exactly the kind of message they need to have out there, and it's exactly what they need to do moving forward, and I hope to see a very angry team on Saturday. Okay, let's get into Freddie Anderson's performance because we've been critical. You've been more critical, but we've been wow. both pretty critical of his performance. Wow, he had an 835 uh, since he came back from injury, but yeah, I'd be and too it, critical. And it is, okay. it is slightly better now, just slightly better now, mm-hmm. after 24 saves on 24 shots. Uh, he wasn't overworked. I mentioned what happened with that late power play in the first period as being sort of the shining example of him uh, being on his game. Uh, but as just as I wasn't ready to bury him for the you know the previous quite a, quite a few starts as actually, uh, I don't think we should just be you know Freddie's back after this performance because again he was insulated and again just one game. Yeah, this is look sample sizes are a thing. If you want to get on people for not criticizing him because oh, it's only a two month sample, which by the way is a very long sample, but still, and you can't be one game he's p- performed well and okay he's back. But at the same time, he looked just eye te- purely eye test wise, he looked different. He looked like there was just that sort of steady calmness to Freddie that you had seen sort of emulate um, emulate from him in years past that was kind of that was missing. In, in in his in his slump and it's back like he there was the puck wasn't bouncing uh he his five hole wasn't a, you know a gaping hole in the middle of the ice he, he was just able to control everything he never looked out of place he wasn't flailing around with frederick anderson when he's struggling he it's like he moves farther and farther out from his net mm-hmm. and it seemed like he was just in the right place all night and that's really all the leafs need and the 24 shots like you said he wasn't overworked that's a credit to the to the defense. Oh, 100%. Because they played by far, I think, other than maybe the the Islanders game, they played by far their best game of the season. Like they they shut down 
it, it's funny. You know, the Leafs got stomped when Malkin was out of the lineup, and then Malkin comes back in, and they shut. They completely neutralize everyone on Pittsburgh. But this was, I would, I would say that this was a, this was a very Im- impressive win. But it wasn't perfect. And if we're gonna be nitpicking here, I think it was after the, the second goal, the two-one goal, or maybe even the first goal. The Penguins came right back down, and Malkin almost made it a tie game right away if the puck didn't hop over his stick. I think it was right after the first goal. They mm-hmm. came right back down, and there was an open net, and Malkin, it, the puck hopped over its stick, and he missed it. But if that goal goes in right after right after they open the scoring on Muzzin's goal, I think this is a different hockey game. Sometimes you just need the bounces to go your own way. And tonight, finally, the Leafs' luck kind of turned. Yeah, I think that sort of speaks to the supposed fragility of this team, like, if they gave up a goal late in the first period, it goes an entirely different direction. Yeah, 100%. This, I want to see the alternate Be, universe of that. It, it, Like, we need to see this different side of the Leafs on different levels. Like, okay, you're down a goal. How do we respond then? Or we're up, you know, two goals and a fluky one goes against us or against the Leafs. How do we respond then? There's a lot of layers that we have to get to. Um but what was different between the two games, I mean, the Leafs really answered the embarrassment in a way. I mean, it wasn't as bad from a Pittsburgh standpoint tonight as it was for the Leafs. But one of the big differences, the Pittsburgh Penguins allowed the Leafs back into the game to a certain extent, allowing two goals. But really, the game effects or the score effects rather took over. Mm-hmm. And the Leafs owned, like if you look, it's hard to like you just go to the stat sheet and say, wow, the Leafs had a bad game because it's positive possession everywhere. And you're like, okay, well, this is clearly skewed by the fact that Pittsburgh just decided it was going to be a neutral for the second half Mm -hmm. of the game. But what was really impressive about the Leafs tonight is that they got better and better and better as their league, as their lead swelled uh, and only allowing two shots on Anderson in the third period, even though there was, it was a frenzy uh, in the final couple minutes. Uh, They just weren't able to really really muster anything uh, or many shots at goal rather uh, more, more or less just sort of buzzing in the offensive zone. But uh, it's just it was it's a, the most impressive thing about this win is the fact that they were able to jump out to that lead and then really clamp down on a on a team that uh, has been just you know a, a juggernaut from an offensive standpoint uh, since Crosby came back to the lineup. Absolutely, uh, the best part of the game too, in my opinion, was the fact that Keith and I know he didn't do this on purpose, but it's just funny he hard matched the Mulligan Malkin line against each other. Yep, just terrific. Um, we're gonna talk a lot of positives in this in this podcast. I feel like we should cover maybe some. Uh, not negatives, but not, I guess, not positives, non-positives, you want to call okay, it? Okay, this is your call, because this could have been just complete positive night. I think I think we just need to get, like, a couple out of there. Okay, I'll, I'll let you. I'm defer I, to you here. I just want to know what Frederick Gauthier does for this hockey team. I did not expect to talk about Frederick Gauthier tonight. We can spend 30 seconds on it, but I just need, you're smarter than me, I need you to tell me what he does for this hockey team. Uh, I'm not seeing it. Not much. Uh, he comes on to take face-offs at the tail end of power plays. I believe he lost the one he took in the first hmm. period. That's about all I noticed. I, m- I noticed some mishandling in the puck in the neutral zone. Uh, but other than that, he didn't really stand out to me. So you tell me what exactly irked you. I just – exactly that. He didn't just do nothing. anything. Like on a night where everyone seemed to make an impact, like I, I noticed every single player on the ice out there I know I can in my mind going through the Rolodex right now. I can recall a, a good thing at least, or at least something that every player on the ice did, almost except for him. See, I get that, but like Martin Marinchin, he might have had a great night. I didn't notice him, but if I don't notice him, that's great. If yeah. I don't notice Freddie Gauthier, it's pr- usually pretty good. I mean, it's not the same as Marinchin because you know there's more of a like 
I mean, there are different intentions between, you know, a center and a defenseman that's just trying to shut things down and get to his next shift or get back to the bench without anything bad happening. But uh, on a night where there was a lot of good things happening, the fact that two of the lesser players on the team didn't really make much of an impact from a noticeable standpoint in terms of a negative impact, I I mean, uh, I guess... It's not all that bad. And that's why I didn't call it a negative. That's why it was a non-positive. Let's go back to the positive. Exactly. I was just about to say that. Um, Zach Hyman. Okay. Guy rocks. Like, How have we not got to Dennis Melgan yet? Oh, we're going to. Okay. We're gonna spend a we're gonna spend a whole whole little segment on it. Don't worry. I okay, got Zach it. Hyman, I mean, like, it, it just it just keeps going on and on. Like, how much more like, can he do? That it's was just great. another I mean, there was a goalie in that, so maybe not a pr- prototypical Zach Hyman goal, but like that was just, <laughs> that was just, you know, him at his very best, which is head down, digging it out of a pad and flipping it into the back of the net. I think it's 19 on the season. That's crazy. Uh, he missed the first 20 games ish. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but he's on pace for not only just a career season for him, but a career season for, you know, the vast majority of players that, are going to play in the NHL. And he's, he, again, he missed 20 games. Yeah. It's not even like we're prorating this over like an 82 game season. Like we do with Jason Spezza. Like the point total that he's on pace to finish with is a career year and would be impressive for a lot of players in the NHL. Like it might be the high bar that he never can get to again because it's just, it's ridiculous. I thought we were going to be positive here. Every game though, he's scoring or it's amazing. pretty much every game he's scoring a goal. No, I want, yeah. I think every since we've started this podcast, I would say, I would say three quarters of the game he's probably scored. There's like been two podcasts we haven't talked about Zach Hyman scoring in. I like, I can't. I'm pretty sure we've done it in like every game. It's crazy. Um, let's get into Dennis Mulligan though. The trade that shook the world. Um, oh, sorry, that was the Max Verano or yeah. Verono. Or... I, I'm re- I'm gonna try to refuse to learn how to say. Veranu's name. There was a great tweet. I saw. I can't remember who it was from. But someone was like, "If you have a, if you have a hard opinion on this trade, you're in, you're a dick." And he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> "It's like, yeah, that's true." Because, uh, like, well, that, Keith did to say say today that it's a strictly Marley trade, which I like because that would have been like what he had to deal with up until yeah, you know, two three months ago. So. Then just have the Marley's Twitter account announce it. Yeah, because I went to go see a movie last night, and before I went in, I went. I can't wait to see what player the the, the Leafs acquire when I get out of here. And I walk out, and I see a Leafs PR notification. I'm like, great, Max Verona or whatever. Like, I was I out too, out and I like I got the ma- I got the notification. I'm just like, I got phone, phone right back down. I got mad, like or no, I I got tired. Like I think I I audibly <laughs> yawned when I saw it. it was crazy. But Dennis Mulligan, this was this is you know an important move, and and funnily enough, it's been a move. Uh, if we're gonna talk about going full uncle. It's a move that is that has really uh, riled up the the uncles in the GTA area. Has it? Yeah, have you not seen this? Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It has because Ma- Mason Marchman is has so tall, much, so much grit. He, I mean, he's so much sandpaper. I guess he has grit. You you'd know better than me if he does in fact have that grit because I haven't really seen it on display I've watched that much. Too much Mason Marchment in the past three years. Um, so you know then that he's you know an AHL player. Yeah, but that's probably it. Yep. Um, if you. And Dennis Malgan is certainly an NHL player. Very much. And has been. He's only 23, which is crazy because he's Younger than Marchment. Younger. Yes, that's a very good point. Younger than Marchment. More productive than Marchment. And also has been in the NHL. He has more, he has more NHL games played than Marchment has AHL games played. 
this is very much a first impressions thing because I would be lying to you if I said even in this race if I've been watching the Florida Panthers no. very much. Uh, Florida Panthers fans have me watching the Florida Panthers. Exactly. I was uh, I was pretty impressed. I mean, like he was like super facilitative to the guys that he was playing, which was exactly what you want. Yeah. In terms of like just you know just help Tavares and Nylander do what they're gonna do. That's great. Really good hockey sense. Uh, he, uh, Keith talked about his work habits, which was the perfect way to put it, because when he was off the puck, he was just doing things to make things a little bit easier on the other guys to make uh, the possessions a little bit more dangerous. He just seemed to know what was going on in the offensive zone while it was happening, which was pretty, pretty impressive. I didn't think we saw, uh, you know, the puck skills that apparently he does possess on display tonight. Uh, but getting to the front of the net is what caused that first goal for Jake Muzzin because he mm -hmm. was there to pr provide the screen. So he just seems like he's going to make things happen a little bit smoother in the offensive zone, and that's an important thing for John Tavares and William Nylander, I think. And they desperately needed a guy like that in their middle six. I mean, that's been the, arguably, other than the, even the defense, I think, has taken a step back the na narrative-wise um, in the in this whole sort of a, a downspin or, or the mini 18-wheeler to the middle six or the bottom six, I guess, and how right. just bereft of offense they've been. Like Kerfoot, one goal in his last 33. Kapanen, one in his last like 28. Engvall, one in his last 16. Uh, you can go down the list. And Mulgan just comes in, and he was like a breath of fresh air. I don't even – like he's not – look, he's not going to shake – He's not going to shake the world up. He's not going to, you know, completely re-energize your, your offense. But just having him there allowed the pieces to slot in in the way that exactly. they kind of needed to. Like, Kerfoot got back to 3C, and that, are you, like, this was debatably a, a, a performance to get you back on the on the hype train, on the on the Kerfoot hype train that you hopped off last episode. Not like quite there, but definitely a step in the right But you're running along the tracks, Definitely a step you know? in the right direction, yeah. It's, uh, you know, Kapanen looked better than he ever had. Like, these, it allowed players, the biggest thing that you pointed out last podcast was that there are all these players that are playing maybe a half step or a full step up in the lineup than they should be, and it's showing. And ha just being able to slot Mulligan, even in the top six, just, a, like, it was, again, it was like a Tetris, and it just all the pieces were able to kind of fit where they were supposed to. And it just, you could tell, it was just so such a different, and you you know what, I noticed him when he was on the ice. I noticed little things that he was doing. I noticed when he was, you know, it, the penalty wasn't the best idea at the start No, he got game. a little uh, overzealous there. Yes. You know, but he, he didn't go lift, uh, hold anyone's sticks or anything, so at least no. he didn't get too, too, you know, crazy there. But it was, like, he, he just added a lot. He was, uh, he played 15 minutes and 20 seconds, mostly with Tavares and, and Nylander, that's good. 92.3 goal uh, expected goals for percentage damn uh i'm not a math whiz <laughs> or anything that sounds good though look that i mean it's got a 90 in it like that's pretty sweet uh and he played some pp2 and the power play is maybe not fixed and i had in, in the notes here that you know maybe it's it's not necessarily still broken but it didn't look very good in the first when they're in formation they're not scoring as much um but look he this was a good trade and I want to know why the Panthers made this. Oh, it's ridiculous. Why I don't I I mean racking my brain and the only thing I can think of is Mason Marchman 65. I mean, I don't I don't mind that you wanted to get rid of a player that wasn't working for whatever reason within your structure, but handing him to the only team that matters for you in yeah. a playoff race <laughs> is absolutely ridiculous. Like why? I mean, I guess what I'm Here's the thing is like he's he's probably just a fill in in terms of a top six guy. Like I don't think that the 
the long-term projection here is to be that guy that they're going to, you know, build a line around or with. No way. But that's exactly what they needed. They needed a guy who's versatile enough to not stunt uh, the progress of a second line because they lost someone. Like, this is... the the versatility that he brings is so important. It, the fact that he can be effective from lines two to four, uh, whatever they need from him. I mean, we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but that's just exactly what they needed as a guy who could move around and just keep things, keep the train on the tracks. Uh, but you you said it exactly right. Everyone was in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Finally, Kerfoot got dropped, dropped down to that third line. That's been really struggling. It's just a move that allowed them to get everything optimized again. Yeah. And, the game before against Pittsburgh, they basically dressed what you could say is two first lines. I mean, maybe the Tavares line probably falls short of that standard with what they had uh, in that game, but then also two fourth lines. Yeah. Like Freddie Goche was your third line center. That's, so, that's unacceptable. So a team like Pittsburgh that has all this depth and all these guys that just continue to do jobs for them and just follow Sidney Crosby's lead, they're going to find a way to exploit that. Mm-hmm. And they did. And then today, the Leafs went back to a more traditional sort of talent gradient. A clear first line, clear second line, clear third line, clear fourth line. It allowed them to match up way better with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they won all those matchups tonight. Absolutely. And just the trade, too. Like, again, it's just racking my brain. Like, I can't understand why they did this. It's not even a salary thing. Marchant makes more than Malgan does. Like, this was... Really? Yeah, he makes nine. Well, because the ELC-wise, I think he makes like eight something. And Malgan makes seven, nine, six, I'm pretty sure. Like this, none of this makes sense. And well, the, the the Panthers just handed a bonafide NHL asset. And and Mulligan, like we saw him play wing tonight. He can he's a natural center. Yeah. So if you if you're like you'll never have to be in a position again, barring injury, where Frederick Ote is your third line center. And the world is a they better. Sh- they it, shouldn't know. The yeah, world right. is a better place when that happens. Like this was. This is a this was a phenomenal I think debut outside of him scoring like this was he kind of just gave the steady quiet but effective performance that you needed from this player I I still can't believe this trade happened he was absolutely hilarious today in his media oh he was deer in the headlights eh? <laughs> he was like okay th- this is one thing that like play by play he's go. very small right so he's <laughs> There's he's maybe the only player in NHL history that has entered a scrum as big as the one he was involved in today and be the shortest person in the entire room. Are like you taller he is than small. Him? I I think I'm a half inch tall. Nice. There it like is. Like I think I'm looking a little bit down at Dennis Mulligan, which doesn't really matter. But apparently he's he he was also really like really like incredibly shy. And so he so wa- didn't want to make a big deal of the fact that that he probably, you know, requested a trade out of Yeah. Florida, but he didn't want to admit it. So by not admitting it, he made it a story anyway, yep. which was hilarious in itself because he was trying so desperately just to not say anything wrong. And he and he was clearly told not to say which line he was on because he like had trouble with like answering that question of who you're playing with yeah. tonight. Uh, it's very like this is a uh, it's like when you put a kid on the jumbotron and he just refuses to answer questions. Yeah, that's exactly how he was like today. It's hilarious. Uh, he'll probably get a little bit better at it, but we learned he speaks four languages. How did you learn that? Apparently he's not that comfortable with English. Really? No, no, he is. But just like, he was so like four or five word answers for everything. But did you like, how did you learn this? Did he answer questions? I'm not not sure. It was like so chaotic. And I came over like when he was like explaining how many languages and he's like asked what his favorite language was. And I think he said German, but I'm not sure. But he said he speaks Russian the most. 
what it's this is the most interesting a, a, man in the world there's now. so many layers we have to unpeel but wow only time that, uh, we'll, dennis mogan the onion yeah we need we need uh to learn more about him and he's clearly going to be a guy that everybody on twitter loves which is great you think so oh yeah yeah he's well in terms of like just the things he's gonna say or not say and media true. opportunities yeah um the leafs took care of business tonight yeah let's get let's let's sort of break down exactly how and why i think that's probably a good way to do this because okay. this was like we said off the hop we kind of got into some general game notes but let's let's do some nitty-gritty here like this like we said completely different team this what this looked totally this looked like a different sort of uh, effort level every everything they're kind of throwing out there from the second period on was amazing and they stifle one of the best teams in the league what was the difference between it's the same team plus i guess a superstar on the other end what made the difference here i'm not really sure like it's it's so hard to make a thing of you know the effort piece like did they try harder yeah i think they probably did try harder tonight but like can you i don't know it's like you can't quantify that like how much harder did you try it's just such a weird i don't know exactly like you just can't it's not something you can really measure but it was it was evident I mean, the way Austin Matthews was working early in the offensive zone without the puck, uh, his he was just like willing the puck back into the possession of the Maple Leafs. Uh, but it, it has to probably come down to just a little bit more organization defensively, their ability to sort of snuff things out before they even have before they can even happen, like two steps ahead. That's what it seemed like. Um, the penalty kill did not seem great still. I mean, they generated a lot of chances. The Penguins, uh, thankfully for the Leafs, they didn't really have that many opportunities. Uh, but I think it really comes down to the fact that this team's just way more... Uh, it's way easier for them to play with a lead than without it. Yeah. I was, so well, once does, they, isn't that the same Once with they everyone? got it, it was just like that confidence thing where it was just they were able to sort of, you know, exhale, relax, and just play their game uh, because they didn't get into that snowballing scenario where everything can sort of collapse on them. And I just think, uh, I just think they did a better job just playing within their structure, keeping things a little bit more simple. What did you see? I saw players, uh, finally stepping out of the routines that they were in. I mean, Kapanen scored in a phenomenal goal, but he scored in a way that wasn't the one that he told reporters was the same thing he does every single time he gets in that position. Yep. It, you know, it was Tyson Berry. We're going to get into him when we go, we do a little rumor roundup, but he, uh, I didn't at least notice as many point shots get blocked or, or anything like that. I didn't notice him make any glaring mistakes, um, which I'm not sure is great when, for your number one or quasi number one defenseman, but whatever. Um, but it was just a, it was just everyone was kind of doing something different and doing something more. And that's probably to the effect of they were all playing in their right spots now. But it was just a collective, like this was the most collective, I don't want to say effort, but performance, I guess, I've seen to date. I mean, every, there was an attention to detail in everyone everyone was making those little plays on the boards everyone was was you know tracking the puck everyone was playing with urgency everyone was moving the puck with speed there wasn't any lollygagging there wasn't any of these you know uh i know their system is one where you you circle back when you don't find a good you know sort of lane and sometimes that can that can make the pace a little bit slower than you'd like this was like fast pace this was quick decision making I, I really liked this seemed like a team that came out there. They knew what was at stake and they lived up to it. Yeah. Less hesitation for sure. I think everyone was playing in the right spots, but also within their capabilities. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, just the stop back and regroup. Like 
the guys that maybe shouldn't be doing that probably weren't doing that as much. Like, like it Martin was, it was more of a straight that. line game for the guys who are probably should be just playing straight line games. Um, but I think it was that third line that really made the difference. I mentioned like th- their ability to match up better, but like they actually had outstanding performances from that third line yeah. too. Like just individual performances. Oh, Casper yeah. Kapanen was this is that's the Casper Kapanen that you never want to give up on. Like we've mentioned who who we might want to trade and Casper Kapanen's name is usually the one that's bandied about most. That's probably but that's the, one the guy do. you don't want to lose because he did it all. He was he, he I mean we had that fight, he was tough, he stood up for a teammate. He scored that goal you mentioned uh, with a different move. Apparently, that's the move he tried in Buffalo or like the shot location he tried in Buffalo, and he thought he should have had it there and just missed, so he did it again. Um, but even Nylander, on his goal, normally he would try and pick the corner, yeah. and, it would, and it would go into the netting. And there was, that was like a no-look shot, too. Like yeah. He was sort of not – he wasn't looking at his target, which is – He which usually is, looks yeah. at the top corner, tries to pick it, and maybe actually picks it like 10 out of 100 times. And this time, he I think he knew that Murray was expecting that, so he looked top corner and he slid it five hole. I was surprised. And he was moving too. I mean, that's yeah. that's a spot in the goaltender that should be opening up as he's moving, and it's just you know that's like a, the, that's a professional finish. Yeah, that's the breaking of routines I'm talking about. Like there there are these patterns that these players have fallen into that that are you know detrimental to the overall product, and they all seem to just be like, all right, we're gonna kind of switch things up. We're gonna try something different, and it worked. Another thing that was really a simple thing that worked very effectively was just winning offensive zone draws, quickly getting it into a shooting area, and just taking the shot. They scored three goals off the draw, where one was scrambled, two were one straight back. On both occasions where it was one straight back, it was moved over to the other defenseman who got it on net, and something good happened in front of the net. And the other one was a scrambled draw where Muzz, or uh, Matthews was able to quickly spot out Nylander mm-hmm. uh, for that goal. Just one more note on Kapanen. He also made a great play uh, uh, while shorthanded, breaking up what could have been a sure goal. Yeah. And if that goal goes in again, yeah. I'll say it again. Uh, I don't know where this game goes. It's if probably they do not score, this though. If they do score early, yeah. so uh, I think Cap- it was the full package from him. And I don't know if it, you know, rubbed off on Kerfoot or Kerfoot rubbed off on him. Uh, but he was really good as well. So do you think that? And I know that this is probably, you know, he, he's playing for the betterment of the team. But it seemed to me, especially when the fight happened. Because first of all, the, we didn't see that fight on the broadcast. It happened so no. it happened so quickly, and it, they they were cutting to like an ad for the Good Doctor or something. Mm. And it happened so and and it was coming back from commercial. And it's like oh, this week on the Good Doctor, Doctor Sean Murphy is you know in a love triangle and it's great. And then like, funny enough, your dad was came back and was like, and uh, Kapanen just got in a bit of a scrap. And we're like, what? And yeah, it, it was it's, it it was not a uh, like that. Oh. I mean, you get good scraps usually when it's two guys that don't really fight much, but two big shots landed on each of them. Yeah, he was... I mean, Kapanen got clipped early, and he kind of, not one punch, but he sat McCann down with yeah, one, he one won, shot. Yeah, he won, let's just say. But this seemed like a guy to me, that especially after the fight, which le- leads to the turn of phrase, like he was literally fighting for his future on the team. I think he. this is a guy, as much as we say the players don't really look at stuff, Kapanen is one of the most on-social-media leaves out there we know that that is true and i a hundred i would i would be flabbergasted if he hasn't seen at least some of the conversations surrounding himself and surrounding his status on the team and how the fans and how he maybe even thinks that the organization thinks of him and i think tonight in the biggest possible performance in the biggest possible stage 
was like this, I'm going to show you everything I can do. I'm going to show you a sweet, like I'm going to show you my speed bursting down the middle, scoring in a, in a you know con- unconventional way. Great. I'm going to show you the toughness that I can bring occasionally by standing up for my, a rookie defenseman on my team and straight up dummying some guy in the middle of the ice in like two seconds. I'm going to show, and I'm going to show you the defensive impact I can have by breaking up a surefire goal in the first, in the first period. He showed that, that sort of two-way ability and the, the edge that we very rarely see from him. This was a player, to me, that was saying, that this was a statement being like, this is why I deserve to be on this team. I'd venture to guess that that fight doesn't happen if he didn't score the goal. You think so? Because I think he's one player that really gets caught up emotionally. Like he can sort of drift out of games when it's not working. Oh, yeah. But then, okay, I just scored a goal. I'm fired up right now. I'm going to do everything right now. I'm going to beat this guy up. And Hornquist, by the way, getting absolutely schooled by a teenager like all night. It was like I tweeted out. I'm just like I'm. I'm shocked you didn't throw like an OK boomer in there just to just to get him. Like, I thought just for fun. I, I thought Clifford was gonna go after him because it was getting a little nasty at the end of the second period. I think Tavares and Crosby kind of exchanged notes Ooh. when it was going exchanged notes. I, I don't know if it was just like you know like let's settle things down here or whatever. Um, the but, blandest conversation but, on human, hi- human yeah, history. Yeah, that, that would not be. You, <laughs> Can know, you imagine if the players were mic'd up. It wouldn't have necessarily been. Uh, hey, Sid must yeah a must listen uh moment but uh i thought for sure kyle clifford was going to find patrick hornquist at one point in that third period and and let him know yeah that he didn't like the fact that he literally jumped on frederick anderson who usually doesn't come out of uh those situations at least fully unscathed yeah they showed a they showed a slow-mo kind of side angle replay of that and then they like hornquist they, they showed us a cut of hornquist on the bench going very clearly with his mouth he he pushed me and then they cut immediately to the replay in slow-mo from the side that shows him like olympic diving onto anderson and it was just it was great um anything any, else? anyone else we got to get to i was gonna say anything else from the game you want to talk about i think we i mean i thought the four main guys were freddie uh Malgan, Kapanen, and kerfoot yeah, in I'd terms say of so. guys we had to talk about muzzin too uh, maybe freddie goche apparently there as well oh, yeah. uh jake yeah jake muzzin for sure uh yeah, but we did touch on him. It was just a, I mean, it was just a great night for him. I, I don't really know what else much more we can add on to it. I just love that guy. He got the ball. He deserved the ball. Absolutely. Um, the Leafs have been there. Like the trade deadline is is fast approaching. Right. And so I there and the Leafs have been in pretty much every conversation when it comes to to the players, especially since the last podcast. There have been a, there's been a barrage of rumors. So we're just gonna go do a rumor roundup. Talk about all the players and all the all the conversations the Leafs have had, and kind of maybe weigh each one and and figure out where they're going to go. Before we get that, can oh. we quickly just gauge because we For we sure. sort of talked about where we thought they were going to do. Then they made two trades. Yeah. So has your opinion changed at all? I think they're still going to add somebody. Okay. I don't so, know. So these moves could be proceeding for that. Like I, I when they did Malgan, I was like, okay, this is all they can do. They're lit- they they've realized that the margins are where they're going to be able to act, and that's what they did. Uh, I've sort of changed a little bit on that since Ooh. watching them because it's like, I mean, clearly this guy, this was just a good trade. Yes. Oh, uh, th- this was this. They won. It's an this, NHL player for a non-NHL player. They won this trade when the papers went in, like. When when the league when the papers went into the league and got approved, they right. won that trade. Um, this was, I think, but this game, like I know, Kyle Dubas is not a small sample size guy again, and we're and we have to quantify or qualify everything that we talk about with that. 
does this game change anything from his from his point of view? Like, does this game be like, okay, they they have some magic recaptured now? Do I want to make a big move and maybe disrupt this? Or I I just think the only thing it changes for me is that you know it's not going to be a complete nightmare scenario where like they lose every game leading up to the trade deadline and they have reason to not either Mm -hmm. you know make the move or to potentially sell off an asset uh i think it prevents that because obviously it's another two points in the bank um but i don't think it's gonna i just can't see it changing that in his mind of like what he wanted to do in terms of like wow this is this is the team that i thought was going to be so great like i mean that's an example of what he probably envisioned uh but examples of it have been few and far between lately so Getting, I think we're gonna start Let's with get into them. with the internal guy, Tyson Berry, because okay. this might imp- this might change because you talk about how they don't have very many assets right. and how they're kind of strapped, and this is this was the conversation that has kind of dominated all the all the headlines that can change that, and it's essentially that they're willing to trade Tyson Berry. It uh, this is per Friedman and McKenzie uh, on and the Bob father, both of them have, have kind of broke it, but Leafs are willing to trade Tyson Berry, but only for assets that will either make the team better right now. Or that they can like draft picks and futures that they can then parlay into another top four defenseman somewhere else. I would love for this to happen. It would be-, be the best case scenario because it would be entertaining as all hell. Yes, it would give us something to talk about. We'd have to do probably multiple emergency podcasts because it's going to take two trades. Mm-hmm. It's going to take the the exit and uh, whoever is coming in for what they could potentially get for Barry. So it would be a fascinating move. Great for content. I mean, we're running out of time, I believe, for it to happen. I, I mean. I, I mean, if the discussion's already happening, sure, maybe the gr- the groundwork sort of already laid and it could potentially happen. Uh, it would be a fa- it would be an amazing uh, move on a multitude of levels. But the fact that Dubis would recognize a mistake, act on a mistake, potentially improve his team for now in the future, uh, it would be and potentially not, but it would be something else. And when you look at Barry too, like he's as much as much as the struggles to be magnified because he's in Toronto. He's on a sweetheart contract right now. The Leafs are only paying him two point seven five mil, and he's a he's a top four right shot defenseman. And if you have a team that is defensively sound that needs some offensive punch from the back end, do you not give up? Like if you if I don't I'm not I'm trying to rack my brain for the team that might need this, but like Calgary, Calgary. Think about like would Calgary? They're on the pre, they're on the playoff bubble. They feel like they need some punch from the back end. They need a puck mover. Would they be willing to do, you know, would they be willing to give up a first, maybe even plus? Uh, it would be really hard. If, it would be really hard to turn down a first round pick for Tyson Berry, wouldn't oh, it? Even if, in the position they're in. If you, if someone offers you a first, you take it. I mean, Absolutely. Li- listen, they're already preparing for life without him by just running five forwards out on the power play. So. Yeah. That, that is the most damning indictment of Tyson Berry this season, was that your only job is to score, and when we need to score the most, we're not going to play you. We're just going to throw Zach Hyman in front of the net. Zach instead. Hyman. We're going to play Zach Hyman instead of you, and it's worked. Um, this was, again, this is, and apparently teams are calling on him. That's the thing, too. It's not just that this might be what the Leafs want to do. It's the Leafs are actively being like sought out by teams asking for Barry. It would be truly amazing, and I want it just for the reason to talk about it. Just for the content? Yeah. Um, all right, so let's go some external options. So the the I guess we'll start with the big fish, Josh Manson, Ducks. I mean, that could be associated with Barry, right? Yeah. Like if you're – what's the price for Manson? Probably a price the Leafs can't pay unless they're taking back assets in other, in other trades. So uh, as fascinating as it would be if Tyson Barry was on the move, it would be – 
even more interesting, obviously, if a guy like Josh Manson was coming back. So the Leafs have apparently checked in on him. Mm-hmm. They we know that they make that them and them and the Ducks make trades all the time. They do that. They have a they have a trading relationship, as one would say. Um, and at the same and and but the Ducks, the main qualifier here is that the Ducks. They don't want to trade him. They're they're willing to listen, but they don't want to trade him. And yeah, maybe they're saying that though. Yeah, they're playing a little hard to get here. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't we don't want to give him up. But he's you know his I mean, name you, his name is never removed from the yeah. Know, the, it's been on there like for like been talking about Josh Manson for years. But since nah, I started university, that's like he's been on the yeah. trade market. But it's like oh, I don't want to trade. But if you, I mean, you could twist my arm if yeah. you want to offer me three first round picks. Yeah, it's. Um, they want to be to quote. I think this is Friedman as well. They want to be quote blown out of the water by an offer or quote forget about it. What would be the most you would offer Anaheim for uh, not for Tyson Berry for Josh Manson right now? Oh, I don't know. I'm not giving up a first round pick because they just can't not have a first round yeah. pick for three consecutive seasons. That's kind of ridiculous. So you'd have to go off the roster. It would have. I mean, I would a hundred percent throw Tyson Berry in a deal. Obviously, would require you know the return on Barry, which we just discussed. I mean, I would probably take from the middle six or from that middle class to do it. Like, would it be Casper Kapanen? Ideally, It'd have to be. Ideally, probably. not for me. Uh, you could probably you can't trade Janssen right now, or you can. You can, but like no one's going to trade for an injured player. But I mean, you, if they're not worried about the rest of the season, so maybe they would. But then again, like it's a knee injury. I think they're worried That's that he true. might That's not true. be That's the true. same that, coming yeah. back. Yeah, there's there's no chance he's moving. Uh, Nah, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say, right? Yeah. I mean, it would be great to have him. He'd probably be more valuable for the playoff run than Kasperi Kapanen. But they're also, you know, we've already just discussed about how we finally got to a point where they were optimized because they added someone. If you take from it, then you're not optimized again. Then so the Jenga pieces are out of line again. Yeah. It's difficult. Like Tyson Berry and what Tyson Berry's worth is the only thing that makes sense to me right now. I Yeah, I think that, I think the idea of flip of – Flipping Tyson Berry somewhere, getting assets, and then flipping those assets for something else. That's probably the only way they can do it. Or, le- or Dermot or Travis Dermot. And that is, I was just about to get there. I think Travis Dermot is the second most valuable trade chip they have. Are you willing to give up Travis Dermot? It's it's hard to say things so definitively because, like, again, I'm not watching the Anaheim Ducks every night. I'm not staying, you know. I'm You're not, not. I'm not sacrificing three hours of sleep to make sure that I'm, you know, up to date on. You clearly don't on, love hockey uh, enough. You know, Troy Terry or whoever <laughs> out there. Is it Troy Terry? Yeah, yeah it's Troy I, Terry. I, that, it says a lot that that's the first player that came to your mind. With the I Ducks. just I wanted a little obscure, but like you know, you might want to see Troy Terry. Andre Kasha. I was gonna go. I was thinking Kasha too. Or uh, do they still have Silverberg out there? They do. Okay. Jeez. Uh, they have a lot of like five million dollars. They should be getting there, rid of right? everybody. I don't Henrique know. Henrique. They should them. be the busiest team on Monday, but they're not going to be. No. Uh, it's hard to say though. Like in theory, Josh Manson's supposed to be like a bona fide top four guy mm-hmm. who's you know who can tough do it, as who nails. can tough as nails, but isn't a liability from a uh, you know a skating movement and like hockey sense perspective. Uh, so it sounds all great on paper and exactly what they need, but uh, I don't know exactly where the state of his game is. So like saying, you know what, let's give up on a player that everybody loves and should grow into a good defenseman, but is having a bit of a, but would be a buy or a sell low candidate because he's not having the greatest year and he's not had the greatest stretch of late. Uh, it's just diff- difficult for me to say definitively. True. This one surprised me a bit, and this was from uh, 31 Thoughts podcast today. Joe Thornton. Give me Joe Thornton again for the content. 
Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Man, that would be. And he's coming to Leafs at a time when he can have a still have a beard. That was That's true. I th- I'm honestly, honest to God, I think that that was a when Marlowe was coming over, we knew they were pursuing Thornton as well. Mm-hmm. I think that that was a legitimate sticking point in the negotiations. And how silly would that be? I like, I guarantee you, if they some somehow we someone does a tell-all book it, on like the Lamorello slash Dubis era, I bet you there will be a little snippet in there of Joe Thornton. It was he was weighing the options between San Jose and Toronto, and Toronto offered more money, but they wouldn't. They would make him shave, and he's like, nah. I'm Joe Thornton. This is my thing now. It's worth any money you could potentially pay him. Worth all the money in the world. It's actually been a dream. Not a dream. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch. But I've always wanted to see Joe Thornton over here. I thought it'd be, it would be fun during this sort of like latter stage of his career. Uh, it seemed to make sense back then. And then San Jose had a, you know, had a really good uh, you know, playoff run where it's like, oh, yeah, he's probably made the right decision staying out there on the beach and you know, going, yeah, going, going shirtless all day. Going pretty far in the playoffs or at least farther than the Maple Leafs have gone. So uh, I think it would be really really fun though obviously he's a guy that everyone wants to talk to quote machine uh and would just bring another level or another dynamic something else that makes this team even more interesting than they are already are and as i'm going to ask you with everyone else here what would you give up can't be much he's a this is a tricky one it can't be because it's name brand here at this point it would be like pk suban like it's name brand at this point he also makes a decent amount of money makes five million one year deal obviously but Okay, so it'd have to go down to two point. Uh, it doesn't really matter, actually. They have all the money in the world now. Yeah, they have. Li- they literally do. Like they can buy whatever they want. I mean, you probably would not want that. I mean, if there was other moves and you <laughs> acquired Joe Thornton and couldn't make this huge move, that would be the fix for now. In the future, you'd probably be kicking yourself. But uh, it would be pretty fun if he was a Maple Leaf. And great. I, I, don't, I don't think they'd have to give up that much. But again, I this seems like a long shot. Um, Rasmus Ristolainen. This one was weird again. This is okay. This screams the exact same misevaluation of Cody CC just all over again. Like this, this front office was like, oh yeah, we, you know what? I know there's a lot of critics of uh, Cody CC. Why do we have to have a referendum? But you know what? There's, there's certain stats that point to him being a really good contributor that we can mold into someone who's really going to help this team. And guess what? Uh, they were not able to reinvent the wheel. I don't think they're going to be able to do the same thing with Rasmus Ristolainen, who has like historically bad numbers in his tough, tough years with Buffalo. Now, here's the thing. I don't think the Leafs actually want him at all. The reports are that they've talked about him. Mm-hmm. And it and there's also been reports that Jason Botterill... Okay, there's also been reports out there. There are three that I want to reference here. One, it's that the Leafs have talked to to Buffalo. Right. Or, or that, no, that the two teams have talked. That doesn't mean that the Leafs have sought out Buffalo. Two, Jason Botterill... Or no, uh, there's a report out there that a certain, cert, uh, one certain GM thinks that he, his defenseman would be perfect for the Leafs. I think that is Jason Botterill. And three is that Jason Botterill wants to sell off his, a lot of his top, like, top-tier players now after the whole paper-slamming incident the other night in, uh, in Ottawa. I think this is a perfect storm of, I think that, that someone got wind that the Leafs had been discussing this, but it was literally just Botterill pestering Dubas, being like, what about Rasmus? We're still lining. Yeah, I mean, again, like we all, it it couldn't be right. It couldn't no be way. that Kyle Dubas wants Rasmus Ristolainen, but it also couldn't be that he wanted Cody Cece. So who knows? No, but I think that I, first of all, 
I think he's definitely learned his lesson from, from trying would, to re- rehabilitate guys so. like that. I would hope so. But also, like all the all the little tea leaves are reading that this is just someone trying desperately to pawn off something to another guy, and everyone's just saying no. Like this is not. And I think as well, I, this was mentioned, I believe, on the Thirty One Thoughts podcast today, and then. I believe um, Bob McKenzie, the intermission, was talking about it more. And his thought was that he just said, "There's no, this doesn't make any sense to me on the Leafs' side. The way their analytics department is run, the way that they evaluate players, this wouldn't make any sense. And I can't, like, I would be flummoxed if they acquired this player. I'm, I'm cheering for Rasmus Ristolainen, though. I hope he leaves Buffalo and leaves behind all of his sorrows and finds a nice fit because I feel like he's been, you know, the whipping boy for far too long. Think of all the losing he has seen. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's un- actually crazy. Unfathomable. I, that's, he's done so much losing that he'll probably always lose because it's just like ingrained in it's him. Like like Matt you, it's like Matt Duchesne. It's yeah. You can't. Yeah. There's nothing really you can do about it. And the uh, or okay, so the the I guess last name that's being directly linked to the Leafs. This one was weird. This Vl- one makes the most sense to me. Really? Yeah. Vlad Nemesnikov. Because I think it's exactly what like the limitations that they have this might be the most they can do so the Leafs i don't have... i don't necessarily think he's going to cost that much much money i think there would be a fit and a, a use for him because he can kind of slot in and be mulligan like in in the in the sense that he can uh wear a variety of hats for you uh i don't know what the state of his game is exactly uh but it seems like a guy who has talent, and I know the Leafs guy likes guys that have some talent. So he's got 13 goals and 25 points in 54 games. It probably wouldn't cost a lot because when he came to Ottawa from the Rangers in on October 7th of this season, uh, which feels like probably a decade ago, maybe right. more, um, the return was a was a 25 year old defenseman, Nick Ebert, and a 2021 fourth over or fourth round draft pick. That's, that's nothing. Str- that's strange, yeah. That's, That's what I mean. Like it can't be. It could be a slight upgrade on that. Maybe he goes for a third round pick, and they, they you know, they do the Ilya Kovalchuk, Marco Scandella thing with uh, the Canadians. Asset are, management. The Canadians are turning you know lesser picks into better picks uh, through just the sheer ability to make trades. Um, but I mean, yeah, it seems like something that's sort of in their realm of possibility when the other ones seem like. Maybe a little bit too complicated for the situation. I just think that Mulgan is the forward. Like you, you needed to get a depth forward, and you added this guy. They need another one, though. Do you think so? Yeah. Like, but this is a winger, though. I feel like they. I mean, need... you didn't you didn't like what you see from Freddie Goche tonight. But he's I, a center. They could get away. They could get rid of him. I mean, Dennis Malkin can Mulgan can drop Ooh. down and play some. It's center. true. Yeah, you know, you make a you make a good point there. I think they could use another another capable body I, I don't think he'd be the exact type that i would be going for um but i do think a depth forward is probably something that doesn't cost much is probably what they're gonna do even if they even if it was the exact same package like you you package i don't know like a uh, garrett johnston i guess is the is the the, the uh, mid-20s guy on the marlies like that's probably the nick ebert kind of comparison there and then a 2021 fourth round pick i'm not even sure if the leaves have that but i'm, I'm assuming they do just blind yeah, luck. Just nothing in the top three. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Um. And then the last. <laughs> yeah, because they their their cupboard is bare. Um. They have some, but you know. No, but like uh, compared I, sure to what they, they had I'm sure before, they have a fourth round. Pick. Look, if we're talking about seventh rounders, they got all of the seventh. Maybe rounders just they can all have. all thirteen selections they have in in the seventh round. Yeah, they can this just, year alone. They can get for they can get the yeah. rest of cup for. And the last one, not Leafs related necessarily, but it was a name that was kind of bandied about today. So the, apparently Washington is shopping. Nick Jensen, who was the 
analytics bell of the ball at last year's deadline. Everyone thought that, you know, he on a on a terrible Detroit team, he was putting up some decent numbers. I believe he's a right shot defenseman. Let me make sure. Yes, he's a right shot defenseman. He's go. 29. Um, the only thing about this is that he has five points in 58 games. Not great. Uh, averages about 17 minutes. So this would be this would definitely be a um, like a depth addition. This would be like you're you're shoring up your. You know, this is essentially like instead of playing a Dermot right side with Marincin, this would be like Dermot Jensen. You kind of like stick with it there. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's would be an upgrade on Martin Marincin, you would think. I think there's red flags if Washington wants to get rid of him. Like right after. And the thing is, they want to get rid of him literally the first year of a four-year, $2.5 million per year deal. Yeah. They just I mean, signed him to that. Good cost control if he was actually, you know, decent. if you, if you still believed in his capabilities. Uh, you're right. He definitely was an analytics darling before, but I think that is one little uh, or a missing piece to the entire player development thing is how do we uh, evaluate the defenseman that gets sheltered minutes? Like, yeah. okay, this guy's thriving in the situation he's in, but anything else and he's in over his head. So it's that's the Tyson it's, Berry it's, it's, dilemma. It's hard to make that that determination on those guys you know, the David Schlemko's of the world who just like, he's supposed to be the fix for everybody and it's nope. never ever works anywhere he goes. Uh, so I don't know exactly how that would, how that would go. But uh, if the Leafs could pay another guy at a cost controlled rate uh, and he can actually be a contributor, uh, then he would be a decent fit. Just not convinced it's him. Last one, I guess off the top of my head now, and then we'll close. Cause we've been going for far too long now, probably over an hour at this point. Nope. 58 minutes. So real quick. Okay. It's being reported that Buffalo, another Buffalo um, connection here, that Buffalo and Zach Bogosian are are uh, they're they're at a stalemate right now, and they might even negotiate a contract termination. So, in the vein of the NBA, if he cur- terminates his contract, becomes a free agent, would it be worthwhile for the Leafs to give him a shot for the rest of the year? Again, red flags because he can't make the Buffalo lineup. But he's been injured in the past, and he's just come back. I feel like that. I feel like a lot of this was not even not even due to performances that we've just been through so much crap with you. You've been injured literally the entire time you've been yeah. here. We're just cutting bait. Yeah, I think there's. Uh, I think there might be something to that. I, I, again, they have all the freedom in the world to do whatever they want. So if there's no, you know, you don't have to be married to this player for multiple years. You believe he's an upgrade on Martin Marincin. Hey. You know, yeah, that's there. You could have worse options and it could be some it could be, you know, a very small price. It would be a very small price league men probably. and you wouldn't have to, you know, it wouldn't cost you anything and you wouldn't even have to put him in the lineup if it didn't work out. I, I think there could be uh, a, like a free roll at the table with a Zach Bogosian, but mm-hmm. uh, even where he is now. Like even if let, let's even if they acquired him, he's in the last year of a deal that he makes five million a year. They again, they have all the money in the world. Even if you give a conditional seventh for him. Like I, I'm not, I don't know why they don't just try it. I'm confident that it would be he would be better than Martin Marincin. Anyone, but is he going to make your team? Is that is that the difference between beating the Boston Bruins? Probably not. <laughs> Zach Bogosian, the X factor. <laughs> and on that note, I guess we'll close here. Uh, it's been fun. Trade deadline. We have one more episode before the trade deadline. Yep. Saturday against Carolina. Carolina. Another big game against a team that they're technically in a race with. Uh, it should be fun. Last time they had a game, it was that 2 p.m. start, 8-6, the final for the Leafs. Probably the most exhilarating game of the year. I don't think you're gonna anyone's going to beat that because that was uh, pure gold. Yeah. Hopefully they measure up to it again on Saturday, and we'll have more to talk about before Monday's trade deadline. Bye. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.